and to let it go as a scapegoat into the wilderness. Please be seated. Good morning. Now, there were a whole lot fewer at the 745 service, and they were a whole lot louder. Good morning. There you are. It's good to see you. Let me encourage you to open your Bible there to Leviticus chapter 16. We're going to begin there and bounce a couple of places as we look at a pair of goats today. I don't like looking at goats. Their eyes are weird, but they are. But as we look at these goats, let's not really look at them as goats. Let's, let's take an opportunity to see what God would say about these goats that we find in Leviticus chapter 16. You know, when you and I look through the Old Testament, and we look with the benefit that we have looking back some 2,000 years since the New Testament was written, and we have an opportunity to look back through it historically, and then compare it with the Old Testament historically, then we begin to see all types of things that begin to unveil for us and before our eyes as we see Christ coming on every single page. Matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, we see him mentioned as a seed. Every time he is mentioned as the Messiah, he's mentioned as the anointed one of God. We see that reflection in the office of the high priest. We see that reflection in the uh, brass serpent. Think about that. As that serpent's lifted up there and the nation of Israel has to go to it. You not see Jesus there lifted up on that cross? And all the world flowing to him? We see him in the book of the Psalms as a great rock, as a buckler, as a shield, as a fortress. We see our protection. We see our great hope. We see the book of Judges and we see all manner of judges. We see Jesus mentioned as a judge. We see him in the book of Ruth mentioned as a kingsman redeemer. That's an interesting idea. One who would redeem another back to his family. We see him as the shepherd in several places throughout the Old Testament. We see him as the avenger. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We see him even as a refuge city. All of those cities that were set up and designed for uh, men who may have had some sort of unbelievable tragic accident within their lives and they have to run away. They need a city to go to. Jesus Christ. We see him as a king. We see him as a dove. As you and I look back at that Old Testament, we see Jesus almost in every single uh, picture that's given to us. We can see Jesus. We can see the church. We can see the coming of what God would have manifested in those Old Testament pictures. There's, two no, or there's, there's no more familiar picture in the Old Testament probably than the Passover lamb. But in Leviticus chapter 16, the Passover lamb is not the only animal that's mentioned. The other animal that's mentioned there is the scapegoat. But let's start with the one that we know. And we know it very 
um, deeply, and we know it very consciously because we study it time and time and time again. We see Jesus as that Passover lamb. We see him as he was sacrificed on that weekend of Passover. We see all of those things that are pointing toward Jesus as being that ultimate Passover lamb of God. Here's one with no spot, no blemish, no broken bones. He's male. Now, this is uh, for the lamb here. It has to be less than a year old. We see that start in Exodus chapter 12. And every time it's mentioned past Exodus chapter 12, that is an anniversary of the Passover that actually happened when Israel is going out of Egyptian captivity. And so we know that Passover lamb. We see Jesus, uh, we see John, the cousin of Jesus, say the first things that we read about John say about Jesus in John chapter 1 Behold the Lamb of God. We see him mentioned uh, as being a lamb in the book of Revelation and all throughout that old, that New Testament. The Lamb of God, this lamb, that lamb, we see him and we know. That Passover lamb, we know that lamb of God being Jesus the Christ. But you probably don't spend much time looking at a scapegoat. When I think of the word and when I hear the word scapegoat, I think of uh, 30s and 40s gangster movies. Does anybody else think about that? Oh yeah, you think about that one who is on the stand, who is, who is taking the blame. And you and I have seen the movies and we know that guy didn't do it. And we're thinking, they're just going to let him go to prison. Here is one who is innocent, who is taking the punishment for the one who is guilty. You know that word pass, uh, that word scapegoat there, and, and its connotations uh, it hasn't really changed since it started. We find them in Leviticus chapter 10, or chapter 16, verse 10, verse 21, and verse 22. Now here's what's going to happen with this scapegoat. The entire calendar year of the Jewish nation is leading up to this single day. This is Yom Kippur. This is the Day of Atonement. This is the day in which the high priest has put on the proper clothing that he's supposed to wear. He has made an offering for himself first. He then goes in and makes that offering of that Passover lamb. As it has already been cast, those lots have been cast. We read in verse, uh, verse number 10, there are two animals. Could either be goats or lambs. It didn't matter. They're brought there. And there's a... There's a casting of dice, rolling of the dice to see which one is scapegoat, which one is the Passover lamb. So this Passover lamb would have been prepared. He would have been taken off and prepared, ready for sacrifice. After that, high priest would have made atonement for himself. He would have went into this place called the holiest of holies that you don't get to see. And he would sacrifice that Passover lamb on the judgment seat of the uh, Ark of the Covenant. According to 1 John chapter 2, verse number 2, uh, it is also known as the propitiation. Jesus is. And so we're left with one live animal. Here's some information I heard and I don't know how true this is, but I'll let you use your own judgment. 
You don't want to bring a live male goat into the assembly, do you? Mm. Well, one, they're goats. They act like goats. And two, they smell like goats. And three, that's just not the place for them, right? Well, here in this process, this goat's the only one that's left. The high priest goes and he puts his hands on top of this goat's head. And he pronounces all the sin of Israel onto this goat, onto his shoulders, into his head. Now, we're never told if, if he pronounces them by saying, you know, oh, uh, Joel over here, he's done this and this and this. And, and Micah over here, he's done this or that. Or, or if he said this family is responsible for this and that family is responsible for this. Or if he even said the entire nation of Israel has done X, Y, and Z this many times. We don't know exactly how that pronouncement of sins went on to that goat's head. But here we see this high priest with his hands on this goat. And however long this takes on this day of atonement, he prescribes all of the sin on this animal. And then he goes back. And there's a fellow who is a Levite who comes in. He works with the tabernacle in the temple. Uh, he's not the high priest, but he works with them. And he grabs that goat on a, on a lead, I assume, and he leads him out of the back of the temple and then out of the city gates. This sin that was placed on this goat was to be led outside of the city. Israel would no longer be responsible for those. And so, let's see if we have any warped people here. What happens if that goat comes back? Goats and animals are, and children are not notorious for just doing what you tell them to do, are they? What happens if that goat gets outside the city, turns around and comes back? Does that mean all of the sins of Israel are back on to Israel? So I looked through the Bible, couldn't find anything to answer that question. Looked through some Jewish history, couldn't find anything to answer that question. And it was years ago in Gadsden, Alabama, where I found the answer to that question. At a local temple there with a, a Jewish rabbi, I said, what happens if the goat comes back? He said, here's how we know it as oral history would be passed down through the uh, nation of Israel. So he would grab the goat, he would take them out the, out the door, walk him all the way out of the city, and, and Israel sits on, on hills, so he would sit him over here to this cliff, and throw them off to ensure the goat carrying the sin, this scapegoat, doesn't come back into the city. That's a weird process. One, why would God do that? 
two, why would he tell us about that? I mean, we're not, we're not dealing with goats and putting our hands on goats and all that kind of thing today. So it's got to mean something for us, right? Well, when you and I look at this scapegoat, this is the goat, and his obligation was to take the sin out of this nation in order that the nation can reconnect with God. Turn, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 53. When you and I read Isaiah 53, we look at words like stripes and punishment and uh, uh, this thing and that thing, and we see Jesus as he is being beaten beyond recognition before he goes on to that cross. We see Jesus there and, and the the adjectives that are describing what's going to happen to him almost turn our stomach. And we read it and we look at it from the aspect of Jesus. Let's start in verse number 2, or verse number 3 rather. Let's see if we can't find a reason why it's found within this particular chapter. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. And yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Oh, we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Look at verse number 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? He was cut off of the land from the living for our transgression, of, or for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. Go down to verse 12. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressor. If you want to find the reason why... You can find it in uh, verse number 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and we have turned every man to our own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The goat, the scape, the scapegoat is Jesus. I thought the Passover lamb was Jesus. How is the scapegoat Jesus if the Passover lamb is Jesus? They're both Jesus. When you and I look at those reflections in that Old Testament... We see the process of death that Jesus will go through and the reason why he'll go through those things. Now turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. Let's take this thing full circle. 
Wherefore, Jesus also, that he, might be, uh, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. That's verse 12. I don't like that phrase at the end of verse 12, without the gate. Let's change that up so we can digest it a little better. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might set us apart by his own blood, suffered outside of the gate. Outside. Of the gate. Outside of the gate of Israel, there was a hill that looked like a half buried skull. And from what I understand nowadays, there's a, a bus depot in front of it. When Jesus was convicted, of the crimes, he would have followed suit for every other Roman conviction that we have record of. They would have written down his accusations. You know, king of the Jews. And that sign that was above him, he would have worn that on a string around his neck as he would walk through the city carrying that big piece of wood on his back. And he would not have gone straight way. He would have gone all around the city so that everyone who was in the city could see that he was convicted and that he was going to die. He makes it all the way around that city and he goes out the gate. Just a little interesting tidbit for you here. He went out the sheep's gate. He went out there, outside of the gate of Israel, and he died to redeem the entirety of mankind. But I need you to know and understand this as a F-A-C-T fact. If he would have gone and done all of those things and would have gone outside of the gate and would have died and, and all of it would have stayed there, According to verse 13, we are still lost. Notice verse 13. Let us go therefore unto him without the camp, outside of the walls, bearing his reproach. It doesn't matter if Jesus goes all the way out there. It doesn't matter if, if he dies on that cross. It doesn't matter if he is the scapegoat. It doesn't matter if he is the Passover lamb. If you and I don't go out to him, we're going to be lost. And those are the facts. I have to go and retrieve the blood that was shed for me. I have to do something. God sent His Son. Jesus gave His life. The Holy Spirit wrote this book for me. I've got to do something. The scapegoat. What an odd picture of the King of Kings what an odd picture of the Lord of Lords. What an odd picture of the Son of God, the Creator, the Sustainer, the Rock, the Fortress, the Buckler, 
the lamb, and the scapegoat. That innocent goat took the fall for humanity who was lost. Jesus put my sin on his shoulders. Jesus put your sin on his shoulders so that I can have a relationship restored back with God, so that you can have a relationship restored back with God. It's known in the New Testament as the gift of salvation. You know, that gift has been offered by God for millennia now. And I'm not exactly sure of how long it will last, because I'm not exactly sure of when Jesus Christ will return. But I do know this, there is an expiration date on that gift. And it is only valid until Jesus returns. Is he your scapegoat? Has he borne your sins? If the answer is I don't know or no, then it needs to be yes. Through hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and baptism, he can bear your sins. He can remove those from your life. You can be added to the church for which Jesus Christ gave his blood and through which Jesus Christ saves mankind. And if for some reason you look back and say, I've got a few more I need to put on his head. I had a few more he needs to bear. I haven't been living that faithful life like I should be. Do you know he'll do that too? You know, our God is not a God of one chance. He is a God of multiple chances. And God will say, you need to live faithfully. You need to live before me in a faithful manner so that I can bless you and receive you to myself. Have you been living that way? If the answer is no on either one of those, Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. Come home to a God that loves you. Brother, sister, come home to a family that misses you. And do those things right now while we stand and sing for your encouragement.